Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our service this morning. It's good to see you all here. It's good to be back. And isn't this great? Whoever did that, that's really nice. I really like it. I'm going to put it in the house. I'm joking. Might do. Every time I walk in the door. Oh, thanks. No. Right. Anyway, enough. Um, it's good to be here. You may notice over here there is a um, hamper of food. This is a prompt because next week is our harvest um, festival service and you are invited, if you're coming, to bring along a donation. We collect for food banks, so it's non-perishable goods, things in tins and cans, and they're the same thing, tins and cans and bottles and bags, packets. Um, but also you can bring money to give because our offering as well will be taken up um, and will go to food bank as well. So next week, next Sunday, is our harvest service. It's a family service. We'll all be together. Please bring things to donate. Um, and if not, you can give money or you can do both. If you're not going to be here and you still want to um, give some food or something like that, you can bring it on the week that you are here and we will add it to the collection. That basket is from Fitzwilliam House who collected... Um, and gave it to us for our harvest service. And when I went, it's quite funny, I'll just tell you this as an aside, um, I went in all light, just in my jeans and everything, and they went, oh, we need a picture for our publicity. <laughs> That's great. Anyway, they went, why didn't you wear your like, minister stuff? And I was like... <laughs> this morning we're going to be um, beginning a new series through the Bible. We're going to be looking at the book of Genesis, but specifically the life of Abraham. It was known as Abraham, then became Abraham. I'm sure many of you are familiar with, um, if not all the ins and outs of the story, with the broad story of um, Abraham's life. And we'll be looking at it in a little bit more detail. And at House Group, we will be studying Abraham as well. We won't be studying the things we necessarily do on a Sunday, but we'll be looking at Abraham's life. So if you want a double dose of Abraham, then, you know, go to house group as well. You might find out more there. Probably will. Any house, Rob is going to come and read our passage to us this morning. Our reading this morning begins at uh, Genesis chapter 11, verse 27. This is the account of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now, Sarai was barren. She had no children. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran... They settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. 
The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I don't know what kind of person you are, but I'm the kind of person who enjoys my own space. Don't get me wrong, I like to be around people, like to enjoy each other's company, but I do like to then get away and have my own space. The one thing about having children is that you never get your own space. So, you know, I used to have this fairly ordered life where I could have my own space and enjoy my own time, but now I don't. So evenings at the moment are very, very precious because the boys go to bed and then I get my own space. Simon and I have a bit of time together. Um, There's one thing that disturbs that, and we have a monitor upstairs still. They're fairly older, the boys, but you can't hear a thing in our house, so we have a monitor still up there. And every now and again... We hear this click and then we get, Mommy, Mommy, I need you. So troop up the stairs. Well, this has been going on for some time. And so Simon said, this is James, by the way, our eldest. Simon said, James, you can only really call Mommy if it's an emergency, okay? And an emergency has to be something where you desperately need Mommy, okay? Fine. So next night, I'm sitting downstairs. Mommy, Mommy, I need you. I'm like, oh, go upstairs. It's got, James, is this an emergency? Well, Mommy, I've been thinking. I really like the Beano comic, and I wondered whether you could get it delivered to the door. <laughs> I'm like, how does this constitute an emergency? Can we talk about this in the morning? You know... You never get away from that calling of the children. And it's not just the evenings that get interrupted, as I'm sure many of you will know or can remember. You know, I just, I start cooking the dinner in the kitchen and from the lounge, Mommy, can you come here? I'm like, Mommy, I can't find my Lego man. I had him a moment ago and I'm like, this is not an emergency. I walk in the door with bags and coats and everything. And as soon as I get through the door, Mummy, can you put the telly on, please? No. I go upstairs, having been downstairs for the last three hours, and as soon as I get to the top stair, Mummy, I need you. Really? And by far the worst, but always guaranteed, I have just sat down on the toilet... There's either a knock or a shout. Mommy, I'm hungry. You see, however much I try, I just can't get away from that moment when someone's going to call my name and ask me to do something. My life, it seems, is no longer my own. And so as I read these verses in the middle of the book of Genesis, entitled in many Bibles as The Call of Abraham. I have great sympathy 
for this man, this man who we're later to know as Abraham rather than Abram, because by all accounts he was a man who was living his own life and he seemed very happy with it. He was minding his own business, he was going his own way, he was following his own path, when suddenly and seemingly out of nowhere, God calls to him, Abram, go. Abram, go. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Or if you like, here was Abram just getting about the task of living, doing all the things you do, when suddenly God calls from the other room, Abram, I need you. And from that moment on, his life was no longer his own. Now, for some reason, when we read this passage today, or we think about the story of Abraham, we think this is not a problem. Because, you know, Abraham is the type of person who would surely have prepared for this moment. We read about him being a man who spent a lot of time with God. We know from later records and into the New Testament that he was a man of great faith. And so we often imagine him to be a man who was always listening for the call of God always prepared and waiting, always willing to move when God called to him. Just searching for that moment when God would make him into a great nation. Whereas the reality is that actually during the story of Abraham, during the whole of his life, during the account that we've got in the Bible, God only really calls to him in this way once every 25 years or so which isn't really a huge amount. It means there are large chunks of this man's life when actually God was seemingly silent, when he wasn't calling out to Abraham, when he wasn't asking him to do this or that. Sometimes he might have seemed a little distant. And in particular in this passage that's right at the very start of his walk with God, because here there's not even any reason to believe that Abraham knew who God was let alone was sitting waiting for God to call him. I mean, we're told that Abraham and his family originated from Ur of the Chaldeans, which we know was a place in Babylonia, a place that would later house the enemies of God. And we know from history that in this location, the people there worshipped many other different gods. So it would follow that Abraham at this point, when he was called, would also have done the same, and therefore would have been unaware of Almighty God, let alone listening out for his call upon his life. In fact, all that we know about Abraham's awareness of God is what we read earlier, that Abraham's father, Terah, left Ur of the Chaldeans, with his son Abraham, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abraham. And he set out for Canaan. We don't know why. We don't know whether something could happen to them. And so they left their home. We don't know whether they'd wanted to change. We don't know whether maybe God's call had started. And so this caused them to up and leave. But we do know that they didn't go directly to Canaan. We've got a little map here that will come up on the screen. They didn't go to Canaan, mainly because they couldn't go to Canaan straight across. Um, As you can see, they were down there in the bottom, bottom 
right, in Ur. Directly across is Canaan over here near Hebron on that side. But in the middle is the Arabian Desert. So they couldn't up and take everything and cross the Arabian Desert. That would have been impossible. They'd probably have died in the middle of it if not been attacked by animals or groups of people. So they had to go up. Instead, they headed up, following the path of the Euphrates River from Ur up to the top to Haran. Now, Haran is far too far north to be en route to Canaan, even if you're avoiding the Arabian Desert. And it's not a particularly noteworthy town at that, but in fact, it's probably a few steps down from Ur of the Chaldeans. But it's here, in this strange town, far too far north to be really on the way to where God's called them, that they settled as a family. It was here that Terah decided to rehouse everyone, to create a new life, to coast through the remaining years that he had, all 205 of them, which is quite a lot, really. And it was also here that God called Abraham, here in Haran, or that God reminded Abraham, Abraham of his call, depending on how you look at it, a call to leave his home and his father's household and to go to Canaan to a land that God would show him. Now make no mistake, when God called Abraham, it was a big call. It was a big ask. Because although Abraham had moved with Terah from Ur of the Chaldeans, we would be right to believe that Ur was still his home. It was the place that he'd been born in. It was the place that he grew up in. It's the place he knew and felt comfortable in. It's a place he wanted to go back to. We know that because years later, he sent back to Ur for a wife, for his son Isaac. He sent back to his homeland to get a wife for his son. This was his home. This was where he saw his home. And maybe after Terah died, Abraham started to feel the call of home. Maybe he was umming and ahhing about whether to leave Haran and go back. Maybe he wanted to be among a people he knew um, in a, a way of life and a culture that he could relate to after his father had gone. And so maybe that's why God chose that moment to call him. Abraham, go. And I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Abraham, go to the land that I am showing you, says God, and I will provide all that you are looking for because I have chosen you to fashion for me a new way of being in a world in which you live. You know, the last couple of weeks have been interesting for us as a family. Some of you might remember this because Joshua, our youngest, has just started school for the first time. And... um, He now spends his days in a different place to what he used to. Before he started school, he spent some time at home with us and some time at Ladybird's preschool, sometimes with Dean of the Childminder, but now he's at school. It's a big change because everything is new. But it's not a big change because he's in a different place for him, really. He's always travelled up to school. He knows what the school is. He's been that little preschooler running around the playground. Everyone goes, oh, isn't he sweet? 
It's a big change now because not only is he in a different place, but he also has to behave differently. He's no longer a little preschooler who abides by the rules of home, by the things that I say. He's now a pupil who has to live by the rules of the school. He has to live differently in that place as well as be in a different place. And in a similar way, when God called Abraham here in Genesis chapter 12, he was calling him to move house. He was calling him to go somewhere different, but he was also calling him to be different. Not to take the rules of his homeland, of Ur of the Chaldeans, to Canaan. He wasn't saying, we want you to transplant your culture over there. He was telling him to go and live in a different way. A way that showed those around what God was really like. A way that brought blessing to other people. I will bless you says God when he calls Abraham, and you will be a blessing, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You see, God called Abraham and promised to bless Abraham with all the things that he could not have through his own effort, with a family, with a future, with a legacy, so that Abraham could go and bless other people. And in a culture of blessing and curse, which is what Abraham lived in, where before Abraham the cursing seemed to be a lot stronger than the blessing, we had, you know, Adam and Eve and the Tower of Babel and Noah, all those things that went wrong, and people thought that the curse was upon them. This call of Abraham out of the blue to embody in human history the power of God's blessing was really vital. And you know, it could have taken place anywhere. Because the purpose of the call was not necessarily to go somewhere new. It was to be someone new. It was to live a life where God had promised to provide. I will bless you, says God. But a life that was always and forever intended to bless others. I will bless you, says God, so that you will be a blessing to others. You see, the reason Abraham was chosen and called and blessed was to be a blessing to those around him. And from this moment on, this has always and forever been the call of God's people. Throughout the Old Testament, the people of God knew that they had been called by God, not because they were special and better than everyone else, but so they could be a blessing to the world. Psalm 67 says, May God be gracious to us, And bless us and make his face shine on us, so that your ways may be known on earth and your salvation among the nations. This has always been the call of the people of God. Not that it's always been lived out successfully, of course, and by the time Jesus arrived, there was a lot of rearranging to do and a lot of things to put right, but this was the call of God to Abraham in the book of Genesis, to the Israelites as they sought to follow God among all the problems and difficulties of their history, and to us today as we seek to know what it is to follow God in an ever-changing world. Just like those before us, we are called to be a blessing to people around. And you know, this can be really hard today, I think, Because the only time we really hear people talk about blessing 
in the world is when someone sneezes. Oh, bless you. Thanks. I feel so much better. You know, or a small child has done something sweet. Oh, bless. Look at them. Bless. Or when something has happened to someone and it's really bad and we go, oh, bless them. We probably only see the word blessed when we're on social media and someone's had a really good day. Hashtag blessed. You know, this happens. Because blessing, it seems, is a hangover from a different age. Used to be said, used to be thought about, used to be used. We might hear it in church. We have a blessing at the end of the service and we sing in worship songs as we probably will later. But we don't even really understand what it means in our society. And yet God has called us to be people who are a blessing to others. Or if you like, in words that we might understand a bit better, God has chosen us to show his favour to those around. God has blessed us with his presence so that we can show others what he is really like so that we can show his love and his grace. We can show his favour to people around us. And that doesn't mean that we will always be hashtag blessed, you know, with no problems, issues or difficulties. But what it does mean that in the midst of life's crisis and all that life throws at us, in the face of all the people we interact with, and the situations we find ourselves in, whether they be hurtful or painful or joyful, we should always seek to show the favour and the love of God to those around, because that is what he has done to us. And you know, in a world that so often acts and reacts in ways that are damaging, that bring darkness and curse, if you like, to others, it's vital that there are people who bring blessing. Because the truth is, God always desires to bless. And now we have been chosen to embody this. I've said before that Simon and I were like watching box sets. And we've got into, well, it's finished now, but I don't know whether anyone's seen Tom Clancy's um, Jack Ryan series. Has anyone seen that on telly? Oh, has anyone read the books? A few. Anyone know what I'm talking about? That's good. There's a series. Jack Ryan is a, a oh, what is he, Simon? A CIA, CIA officer, and you know, so there's all intrigue. It's quite violent and scary and awful, but you know, enjoyable in some way. Oh, brilliant! And so we watched this series. Um, and it's all about trying to catch terrorists and, you know, it's all about the cat and mouse and the chase. But there's this man in Syria, he's a terrorist, and um, he's captured and held hostage some, a group of doctors without borders. And he's got a plan for this, which I won't go into. But he's keeping them captive. And the doctors have asked if they can have some medicine because... Um, they're not, some of them are not feeling very well and they've got a man in with them who's their enemy who this bloody man beat up and threw in with them and they want to help him. And so the Syrian man, he gives them some medication and they hand it round to all the doctors without borders and then one of the doctors gets up with some of the medication and he goes over to this other Syrian who had originally captured them and then handed them over to this other man. Anyway, he's an enemy and he goes over to him and one of the doctors 
stands up and comes over and he says, why are you giving him help? Why are you giving him medication? And he says, well, he's been beaten up. He's got lots of injuries. I thought I might give him an aspirin. It might help. And he went, but why are you helping him? He's the one who got us here in the first place. He's the one who brought us into captivity. And this doctor turned around and he says, as long as we have breath in our lungs, we are doctors first. And you know, when I was watching this, I thought, in a similar way, as we seek to follow God in an ever-changing and ever-challenging world, we're not called to judge We're not called to be a moral compass that everyone else can look at. We're not called to protect the past way of life. Instead, for as long as we have breath in our lungs, just like Abraham, we are called to bless first. So that what those around here, through our words, through our actions, and by the way we live is that God's favour is for them as well as us. God's love is open to all. And God's blessing is poured out on everyone. Not just a chosen few good people, but everyone through us to them. You know, I really don't do this very well. I'm talking about it here, but... I really don't do it very well. My first reaction is not to bless people, especially when they've said something horrible to me. But I think if I did do it, if I did seek to show God's favour, if I saw my calling as someone who was to bless others, then the transformation in me and in those around would be far greater than it is at the moment. Let's pray together.